For as long as we have lived For as long as we have known Love has carried us You're listening to the Sermon Podcast of Genesis West in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. You can find out more about us at genesiscove.org. Enjoy the teaching. Good morning. Our scripture this morning is from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. This is a gospel reading, so please stand as you are able. Zacharias said, may the Lord of Israel be blessed indeed. God's intervention has begun, and he has moved to rescue us, the people of God. And the Lord has raised up a powerful sign of liberation for us from among the descendants of God's servant, King David. As was prophesied through the mouths of his holy prophets in ancient times, God will liberate us from our enemies and from the hand of our oppressors. God will show mercy promised to our ancestors, upholding the abiding covenant he made with them, remembering the original vow he swore to Abraham, for whom we are all descended. God will rescue us from the grasp of our enemies so we may serve him without fear all our days, in holiness and in justice in the presence of the Lord. And you, my son, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will be the one to prepare the way for the Lord, so that the Lord's people will receive knowledge of their freedom through the forgiveness of their sins. And this will flow from the kind and compassionate mercy of God. A new day is dawning. The sunrise from the heavens will break through in our darkness, and those who huddle in the night, those who sit in the shadow of death, will be able to rise and walk in the light, guided in the pathway of peace. The word of the Lord. Jenny, thank you. Man, she's good at that, right? Zechariah, or Zacharias, is a priest. And he's been a priest his whole life, just like his dad, just like his dad's dad, all throughout the generations, all the way back to Aaron. So he has lineage. And this verse, this set of verses that Jenny just read, is a canticle, which really means it's a song. So Zechariah hopefully with a fat bass note to start, belts out this crazy, beautiful, prophetic, hopeful song about the Messiah that is coming. And uh, you can sort of picture like his papery, thin skin and his wrinkled hands maybe shaking as he sings this song. But if this was a movie of a well-known thing that we all sort of all knew about, this would be the opening scene to the movie, right? But then the filmmaker would want to take you back into the story to find out how we got there. And so in this story, if you can imagine this scene just majestic and belting out with hope and light and life, the next scene... It would go to a black screen, it would say a year and a half ago. And then we would see this bustling street city scene in the first century. Kids laughing and playing, moms telling them to get going, 
to shut up, to carry this, to carry that. And then we would see an older couple, and the camera would focus in on them, and they would be walking slowly past all the kids and all the mothers, and, and they would enter their home and close the door. And the difference, the contrast between the loud, noisy street and their quiet, tidy home would tell you something. Old couple, quiet home. What would it tell you? There's no children there, Pam. And maybe there's no food. And then we would pan to the next scene where Zechariah is doing his priestly duties and he's lighting incense and he's about to go into the Holy of Holies, which only happens once a year. And then we would see it before Zechariah saw it, but an angel then would appear with him. And the angel says this to him, your wife is going to have a son. He'll be named John and he'll be a great man and many will turn to follow God again because of him, and he will prepare the way for Messiah. And then Zechariah says this, how can, I be sure, how can I be sure of what you're telling me is true? I'm an old man. My wife is far past the normal age for women to bear children. This is hard to believe, which I think is a very sanitized version of probably what he actually said. What? And then the angel says this, I'm Gabriel, the, mess the messenger who inhabits God's presence. I was sent here to talk to you and to bring you this good news. But because you didn't believe my message, you will not be able to talk, not another word, until you experience the fulfillment of my words. And from that moment on, Zechariah didn't utter a word until that song. Over a year quiet, nothing emerging from his mouth, no conversations with anyone, no prayers being uttered as a priest, nothing but silence. So all play question. All plays are designed to get to the voice of the chorus, not just the solo. Why is Zechariah being punished by taking away his voice? Maybe because he wasn't listening to another person's voice. Come on now. Ooh, he wasn't using his voice well. Yes. What else? Say it again, Steph. Silence might allow him to experience a new birth, too. There are many kinds of gestation periods, aren't there? Yes, Kelly. Ooh, Kelly, because his son, John the Baptist, was going to be the voice crying out in the wilderness. Not Zechariah the priest. 
What else? We're just getting warmed up. Okay, Cassandra, you first. The song would be more impactful if it was the first thing, if it was what emerged after so much silence. Yeah. Sean, was it Sean or who, who back there? Ooh, his voice was his strength? As a priest, his authority came from him mediating between God and people, so that's where his strength came from, and that got taken away. Anything else? Good Lord, you guys. What about the community who maybe, you know, uh, counts on his voice? What does it say to them that he was being punished that way? Someone else? Okay, Rebecca. What if it wasn't a punishment, she said. I think that's a route that's worthy of going down. Don't you? Why, or how could it be not seen as a punishment? What else could it be seen as? A shift in his purpose? Say it again. A time of waiting, his own advent. A time of rest, Jason. Yeah? A time of listening. It was, oh, Sherry, that's so good. Sometimes priests talk a little too much. Say it again, Linda, a time to grow. Oh, a time, yeah. A time to grow closer to God. Okay, that was such a beautiful cacophony of sound, one at a time. Let's go here. Rexanne, was it you? No? Yeah? A time for Elizabeth to speak. That was his wife. Come on now. Took us about 10 minutes to get there, but we got there. You know, it is interesting. If, if you follow, all this is in Luke 1, P.S. I'm not making up any of this. If you follow this, it was a film I saw last night on Netflix. If you follow Luke 1, Mary gets visited by an angel, and Mary says, how can this be, since I've never been with a man? Gabriel says, oh, well, Holy Spirit will come upon you, you know, and then she's like, oh, may it be done unto me, just as you say. No punishment for her, even though she has a very similar question, right? Elizabeth, too. When uh, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth and Zechariah, she's pregnant with Jesus, and um, Elizabeth says, oh, the baby leapt in my womb. John leapt in my womb when you came in. So John knows Messiah. Oh, my gosh, this is so. The women are down. The women know what's going on, and that's generally true in the Scriptures. (laughs) The women almost always know what's going down. And men... We just take a little longer. We need, we need nine months of silence. Um, there's, this, there's this phrase in the translation that I chose, the voice translation. 
Gabriel tells Zechariah, um, you won't say another word until you experience the fulfillment of my words. So what does it mean when you are told something that shocks you? What does it mean to experience the fulfillment of a promise like that? What does that mean? Yeah, when the coin drops in the slot. Thanks, Will. When it all clicks, he said. Yeah. What else? It confirms trust in what's being promised, right? Thanks, Jen. What else? Let me, let me change the question and just go like this or, not, or like this, okay? Have you ever experienced the fulfillment of a promise? What do you feel when you experience the fulfillment of a promise? Safe. Yeah, Megan, you might feel like you were wrong the whole time, like, oh, I was waiting for that, but this came. Yeah. And you, <laughs> and you might get in trouble. Yes. Yes. Lose your voice for a year. Most kids in here are saying, like, my parents could lose their voice for a year. That might be good. Humble and humbled and grateful. Thanks, Carol. Humbled and grateful. The strength to walk in that promise. Because promises aren't just like for this moment in time to get something and then move on. It's to walk in something. Yeah, Kelly. Tears up. You feel complete. I like that answer a lot. <laughs> um, my boys are not in here. They're downstairs. But um, we, Mary and I, prayed for kids for a long time. We had infertility for a long time. And there was this moment during the beginning of that journey where I was praying. I was at my mom and dad's house out on their deck. It was winter, and I looked up, and I saw all these stars. And in that moment, it was just a sense, but I sensed God saying, this month, Mary will be with child. And it just felt so real, right? I mean, it just felt like, oh, my gosh. And then it was about seven years later. <laughs> it was about seven years later that Isaac was born. And, and then we had two more sons, twins. Now we have three sons. But what I've been wondering lately is, have I experienced the fulfillment of that promise even yet? Or is there more? Now, I don't mean more kids. Um. <laughs> But maybe I was hearing something that night as I looked up at those stars. And maybe 
I haven't yet experienced the fulfillment of that promise from God. Uh, in, the, in the Greek, um, it says, the angel says to Zechariah, my words shall be fulfilled in their season. And that's how it was translated in the fulfillment of time um, in the voice. But um, my words shall be fulfilled in their season. The word for season there is kairos, which is this beautiful word in the scriptures which talks about the time that it explodes into like the climactic moment that we've all been waiting for. But that isn't, it is not, it's not clock time, it's chronos. So we get a word chronology. Kairos is a different kind of season and a different kind of time. So what does it mean, I think, this scripture portion is inviting us to wonder about what does it mean to wait for the kairos of the promise that's been given? So Advent is this story that we know really well, and we know that Jesus was born about 2,000 years ago and became God with us, and it's like we can either enter into Advent pretending that we're just really waiting for that to happen, or we can really enter the story and going off of Alicia's spoken word, really pray for and wait for the Kairos, the Messiah, the Christ to come again into our darkness and into the darkness and make things right again. So here's an all-play question. What do you need so that you can experience the fulfillment of a promise? Maybe time. I think you're so right. It just sometimes takes time. You want it now, but you don't get it now. And it's not because you're being punished. It's Faith. You need a gift of faith. I totally agree. So, and I, I want to say amen times one million. Faith is not something you try hard to grab a hold of and do. Faith is a gift that God gives you so that you can believe something like Zechariah, uh, like your wife is going to be pregnant, even though she's well past the uh, years to bear a child. You actually need faith to believe something that seems impossible really might happen, don't you? You can't try hard for that kind of faith. You have to get a gift of faith. So thank you. So for those of you who are waiting to experience the fulfillment of a promise, what would it be like for you to pray for the gift of faith? To, to pray a prayer like this, God, I don't believe that that can happen, like Zechariah did. And there's other people in the Bible who prayed that same prayer, right? <laughs> like, think of, hmm, Abram, Sarai. I don't think it's going to happen that way, you might say to God. So give me faith to believe. Give me faith that I don't have. I mean, that would be a beautiful prayer, wouldn't it? 
And then I wonder what would burst forth out of your mouth after a period of silence and waiting and praying. And it's interesting that Zacharias sings this song, and John is just a little baby. Like, he's not a great man yet. He's not eating locusts and wild honey yet. He's not baptizing people in the Jordan River yet. Messiah is nowhere on the scene yet. But man, he is sure of something. He's sure of something. And that comes out in this beautiful song. A new day is dawning. The sunrise from the heavens will break through in our darkness. And those who huddle in the night, those who sit in the shadow of death, will be able to rise and walk in the light, guided in the pathway of peace. And John grew up and became strong in spirit. He lived in the wilderness outside the cities until the day came for him to step into the public eye in Israel. And a whole new beginning is about to happen. And Becky's going to preach about that next week. But until then, my brothers and sisters, if you are waiting for the fulfillment of a promise, God is with you as you wait. And God will give you what you need, even as you're huddling in darkness even as you're scared, even as the shadow of death seems way bigger than the life, the pathway of peace is opening up in front of you. Amen.